Well, Ken McCarthy is a legendary internet pioneer and prolific author and founder of Brass Check TV. He's going to be sharing his book, The COVID Con Volume 2, today. We're going to question the mainstream narrative and expose media propaganda right now. A ploy? It's not a ploy when the Department of Justice treats parents as terrorists, moms and dads who are simply showing up at a school board meeting to advocate for their son or daughter. A ploy. It's not a ploy when the FBI pays Twitter $3 million, not one, not two, $3 million to censor American citizens. It's not a ploy when the Department of Homeland Security tries to set up a disinformation governance board because we all know that the Department of Homeland Security can tell what's good speech and what is bad speech, what's mis... I mean, you've got to be kidding me. I tell you... That was some breaking footage from Jim Jordan there in the House of Representatives. We are joined by Ken McCarthy, author of the COVID Con Volume 2. Great to have you with us, Ken. Things have changed a little bit and yet not so much since the last time we talked. The COVID Con kind of lost some steam, and yet we still don't have accountability. We're at a different phase right now. Uh, you've been covering this from the very beginning. We can take a look on screen, February 1st, 2020, with a critique on the Wuhan narrative. Uh, so, Ken, take us back to that moment when you made that tweet, and then what happened to you after that? Well, um, and th- by the way, Sean, great to see you again. Thanks for having me on. Um, as you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, um, I watch the news media very carefully, and over the decades, I've learned to, to sniff out a rat. Uh, and when I saw this weird reporting coming from Wuhan, it just didn't make any sense. It was surreal. And so I, my estimate was it was just some kind of a, a vaccine <laughs> marketing campaign, that it would end up being a, a way to push people into getting the, the flu shot. Uh, little did I know uh, they had much more ambitious plans. Uh, but I did tweet on February 1st, hey, look, Wuhan's the most polluted city and the most polluted province and the most polluted country in the world with a terrible medical system. Are we surprised that a few people are dying of respiratory disease in the the winter months? I mean, it seemed lunatic. Uh, And and we really should, if we get a chance, we should talk about the current situation in China uh, and how they are playing it uh, against us. They're trying to play it against us yet again. Yeah, well, let's talk a little bit about the aftermath of that tweet. Uh, they didn't just let you continue to tweet like that on Twitter, did they? No, eventually, eventually, they they um they blocked my ability to access my account and blocked my ability to make new posts. Um, however, that my my Twitter channel is still up there. Uh, I backed it up, by the way, just in case. Uh, it's Ken McCarthy. Uh, that's my Twitter handle, and um, I my post that that was so offensive. Was there was this there was this mainstream news journalist uh, when the when the uh, vaccine when the I'm not let's not call, let's get straight here not call them vaccines we can't even call them experimental gene therapy anymore because we st- I realize we still don't know as of this moment what's actually in those things so we're just going to call them injections so there was one of these mainstream news media guys crowing about how he predicted that. Fauci would come to, would be the hero and the, and the vaccines would come on time and they'd be safe and effective. And I just tweeted, I said, how did this guy in March know we'd have vaccines in December? 
And that was enough to get me uh, frozen. They have an appeal process, so I appealed. I said, I think I'm being accurate here. Um, they don't even respond to my appeals. So right. I wish I could access the, well, uh, the, the, yeah, the information, uh, the data dump from Twitter to see if, if I've been specifically targeted, but who knows? Well, yeah, maybe you need to file a lawsuit or something to get to the bottom of that. I know I want to do the same. Uh, but, you know, you sniffed out this story early on. Your instincts were right. And this story turned out to be a lot bigger than even you imagined. And you committed yourself to covering it. Can you tell me why you decided to do that when you could be making all kinds of money as an Internet marketer? <laughs> I guess I got obsessed. And, and also, it seemed like a really huge issue. You know, I, 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 you know this, this may sound grandiose, but I think those of us who helped pioneer the commercial side of the Internet when it was not commercial at all, we helped put trillions of dollars of wealth on the table for people all over the world. And I saw these lockdowns as being those trillions of dollars being erased by a few madmen. So I kind of took it personally. Uh, also, I think I mentioned on a previous show that I went to the same high school as Tony Fauci. So I also take it personally that this goofball, uh, this criminal, uh, has inflicted so has helped inflict so much pain on so many people. So I guess I, I took the whole thing very personally, and I was very concerned. You know, when they started those lockdowns, I mean, you don't have to be a, a PhD economist to know that millions of people all over the world were going to be severely injured by just the lockdowns alone, and that's unfortunately turned out to be the case. Well, there are different levels of engagement. Some people just share a few uh, red pill style articles on social media, try to wake up a few friends. Usually they get uh, deplatformed. And then there are people like you who really take it on as like a life mission to help wake up humanity and try to make some changes to our society. You've really taken on a lot. You covered a lot on Brass Check TV. Tell me about COVID Con Volume 1 and why you decided to do Volume 2. Um, volume 1 I, you know, I have this dual um, existence, uh, and there used to be a firewall between them. I had my marketing and business side, and then I had my investigative journalist side. And I always did my investigative journalist work under the, the name Brass Check, you know, because I think it would confuse my business clients, like, what's he doing now, you know? And then the people that were getting the investigative journalism work, they don't need to know that I'm a business person, right? But with, with um, COVID, I just... I can't keep the wall up anymore. So I sent lots of articles to my business clients uh, which uh, and students and subscribers, which is tens of thousands of people all over the world. And I said, guys, keep an eye on this. This doesn't look good. And every now and then I would, you know, drop another line on them. So volume one is basically the whole history of, of the COVID con from about March until um, I stopped you know, until I locked the book up, which was like around November I'm not sure when it was. Things are a blur right now, but sometime in 2002. So if somebody wanted to track the unfolding scam and how it was transparent to some people, you could get volume one. But volume two, I'm really proud of because, and thanks to people like you, um, I actually I was interviewed uh, a couple of times about my research. And uh, you're actually in here um, very notably. Um, and some of these interviews were very early. Uh, one of the, er, the first one was, I think, April 2020. Yeah, April, uh, somewhere, somewhere around then. Um, no, June. I'm sorry, June. But so there were some podcasts that I did where I just spoke, and then there were some interviews, and they all went into the book. So this is the in-depth stuff. And this is where I get into things like you and I talked about, um, the Nazi connection to all this, 
the fact that uh, you know we're constantly being terrorized by the idea of the f- great flu of 1918. Uh, and you know, for years we've been geared up, waiting for the big one. Well, it, it may be that that 1918 flu was radically uh, misrepresented, and so you and I did a, an in-depth show on that, and it's in the book. And it's kind of hard to find that information anywhere else, and on any podcast, and any film, and any book. Uh, we really covered some fresh ground on the on the 1918 flu, which you need to look at if you want to understand what they're putting us, trying to put us through today. Yeah, history always repeats itself. And I want to dig into where we're at right now with this rollout of this scandemic and, and the public awakening and the Twitter files. We're going to dig into that, take a quick break and dig into that as soon as we get back. Government-induced inflation, taxes, rising interest rates, political instability. All of these can have a crushing effect on our investments, often causing the stock market to go down. But they can also cause gold and silver to go up. Hi, this is Dr. Kirk Elliott. Buy gold, buy silver, buy now, but buyer beware. Precious metals companies are not created equal. As a PhD economist, I have been in the financial, economic, and precious metals business for three decades. The philosophy of my firm is people over profit. I encourage you to read my bio to learn more about me at kirkelliotphd.com. Now is the time to own physical metals in an IRA, 401k, and outside of a retirement plan. Don't let the government destroy your hard-earned assets any longer. Call 720-605-3900 or visit kirkelliotphd.com. We're talking to Ken McCarthy, legendary internet pioneer, prolific author, and founder of Brass Check TV, just wrote the COVID Con Volume 2. So we're in this phase where the scandemic happened, it's lost steam, the mandates are few and far between, and yet the, with people dying suddenly and people keeling over, athletes and so forth, people still haven't really woken up uh, to what's happened, so therefore we can't have an accountability phase yet. Uh, can you tell us where you think we're at and t- maybe mention the Twitter files and how important they might be? Sure. Um, let me share this too. I, I had the opportunity to take an extended trip. Uh, I went to uh, Istanbul in Turkey. I went to uh, uh, Lisbon in, in Portugal. I went to Marrakesh in uh, Morocco and I, I crossed the Atlas Mountains and I, I was in the Draw Valley. And then I went to London. So I got to see where different places are at. And so let me tell you this, Istanbul, big city, maybe as many as 20 million people. They can't even count how many people are there. That's how big it is. No one was wearing a mask. I think I saw two tourists from Japan that were wearing a mask. That was it in this massive city. Uh, then we went to Morocco. No one was wearing masks in Marrakesh. And then it was very interesting. The area where I was is, is mountainous and it's also desert. Uh, and these folks were not taken in at all by any of it. Uh, they are very connected to the, the land, the earth. Uh, they raise their own food. Uh, they don't go to the pharmacy when they're sick. They know every plant and how to prepare it. Uh, so it was, it was nice to be amongst a population of people that weren't terrorized. And they looked so healthy and so happy and so normal. Um, and then I went to London and I had heard London was in good shape. And it was true. People in London aren't wearing masks. Then you go to New York City 
And they're, you know, triple masked. And um, uh, my wife got off a, a train from New York City as we came back from the, She came back a little earlier and she uh, came back by herself and came up on the train. And even in our rural, semi-rural area, when she got off the train, 13 out of 15 people were still wearing masks. So the U.S. and Canada and certain other places are still under an intense propaganda cloud. Um, it's interesting what broke the, the propaganda cloud in England. You know, Boris Johnson had that big party. And thank God to the whistleblower that, that revealed uh, the photographs of these British politicians partying while everybody else was locked down. Once the British people saw that, the spell was broken. It was over for all of them. Um, weirdly enough, that didn't happen in America. I mean, we saw Gavin Newsom having his big party, but that didn't change California. So unfortunately, uh, America has one of the most, the thickest propaganda systems in the world. We're also under the, the thumb of Big Pharma. They own the news media. Uh, and what they don't own, Bill Gates owns. And what Bill Gates doesn't own, Soros owns, literally. Uh, if you look at the numbers, these guys literally they don't own, they're smart enough not to bother to run the things, but they give them enough hundreds of millions of dollars. It just was revealed that Soros gave over $100 million to the news media. We know Gates gave over $300 million. And we know Pharma, I mean, how many billions do they spend on their, on their nightly news ads and how many news shows? So, so we are wicked controlled by these guys. Um, and that's a big problem. And I would say one, you know, there's some simple things we could do to, to say, to remedy everything. Number one, everybody get rid of your smartphones, go back to the flip phones. They're good enough. They use those smartphones as a way to lock us down. Uh, I say, get rid of your smartphone. Now that's a little extreme for some people, but I'm an extreme guy. So I did it. But the other thing we could do, and I don't know why this isn't being done. And maybe that's my next task. We've got to get the pharma ads off TV. We're the only country in the world other than demented New Zealand that allows pharma to advertise on TV. No other country does it. And that's one of the, the pillars of their, their influence over us. If we could take that pillar out, we're, we're going to be in all much, much better shape. So that's a little yeah, bit about my trip. bizarre to, to see uh, the media try to even talk about these topics while in between their breaths, they're saying this is sponsored by Pfizer. It's, it's lunacy. You've probably seen that little clip of all the sh news programs that last about a minute, sponsored by Pfizer. Good Morning America, sponsored by Fiver Pfizer. You know, it's just like, and you know, I did a little, this isn't really deep research, but you know, for, there have been many times in the last 20 years when Pfizer has been one of the top 10 corporations in the world. I mean, this is a powerful, powerful uh, institution. Who knows how many politicians they've bought off. I mean, people should know that pharma pays more in lobbying than any other industry by far. Second, and it's a distant second, is gas and oil. But pharma is the number one lobbyist in Washington. They own the news media. Uh, it's, it's, it, that's, we've got to do something about that. Well, Fauci was somewhat of a savior figure during this mass hypnosis. And that spell seems to be breaking, with the, especially with Elon Musk, as a pivotal moment in time when he said his pronouns were prosecute Fauci. And now I he's proceeding it. to give uh, Alex Berenson the inside information of how the censorship took place uh, and the Fauci was part of it. So um, Fauci, on record, you know, lying, of course, you were part of the efforts to expose Fauci in various books and so forth. Uh, so anything you want to say about the Twitter files, about uh, the public awakening to Fauci and, and the rest? 
Well, it, it's amazing. Um, I put out a film called uh, Fauci's First Fraud, in, in, released in the summer of um, 2020. And it, and it shows the absolute, and it's in the book too, it shows the absolute parallels between the AIDS fraud that Fauci ran 40 years ago and the COVID fraud. I mean, it's the same playbook, just different diseases and different targets. I think the next big piece uh, of that was the Bobby Kennedy book, uh, The Real Anthony Fauci, which came out in November of 2021. And um, he cited my book uh, a lot, uh, my film a lot, and he devoted three entire chapters within the Fauci book just to that AIDS fraud, because that's a big one. If Once you understand that fraud, then the, the COVID fraud is just absolutely obvious. And then now we've got the third leg, which is um, Elon Musk. This is awesome. I, you know, talk about uh, somebody putting themselves on the line. I mean, he put billions and billions on the line, but uh, I can't wait for that drop of Fauci material. Uh, did, and did you see how, I don't know if you noticed, but all the news media is already preparing our minds uh, for the for the drop. Fauci's being interviewed and, you know, softball. Hey, is, hey, Tony, aren't there a lot of crazy conspiracy theorists out there? Yeah, there sure are. <laughs> it's just, it's comedy. <laughs> um, so I don't know how many people are really believing, like, oh, this is good news. Who's that terrible night host of American set? No. American TV comedy guy. He's got a show. Anyway, he, he he's pro-vaccine to the nth degree. He peaked, he started out with 14 million viewers. He's now down to 1 million. Uh, and the wow. Fox guy that runs at the same time slot is massacring him audience-wise. So it's nice to yeah, see. Yeah, Greg the, Gutfield. Yeah, it's, it's nice to see these uh, the, the, the enablers of this fraud um, paying a price with their careers because they should. Yeah, that's the kind of bizarre thing when you have uh, Tucker Carlson, number one, Greg Gutfield, number one, uh, you've got Joe Rogan, number one. All of these people who are questioning uh, this propaganda are number one, all the ones who are pushing it, like CNN, uh, floundering. So you would think there's a certain level of awakening and yet not enough awakening for any type of mass protests yet. Uh, and and you've you've been, you know trying to figure out how to galvanize people, how to organize people behind certain concepts and, and efforts. I know the truckers in Canada was dear to your heart. Uh, can you speak on that, about the difference between what Americans and Brazilians and Canadians have been reacting to these various issues we've been having with the, basically the government uh, you know, being against the people? Yeah, and Europeans too had had amazing large rallies. There's one going on right now today in Albany, uh, sponsored by Children's Health Defense, and they go up to Albany periodically uh, and get they get pretty good out uh, gatherings to come out. Um, you know, we're just not good at mass demonstrations in the United States. That was the sort of the purview of the left, uh, and of course, the left has been and the so called so called progressives have been completely co opted by the COVID con. I mean, they they were the the foot soldiers in 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 advancing it and pushing it and shouting everybody else down. Uh, so the, so the one segment of society that kind of knows how to bring out lots of people, um, they, they went over to the other side and the rest of the American, you know, we're busy running our businesses and taking care of our families and taking care of our, care of our communities. And we're not really that geared to that. The, the thing that happened in Canada was just a, a, a miracle. Just an absolute miracle. Uh, I made a film. Uh, I think it's called "What What Really Happened" or "What Happened in Ottawa," and some of the footage um, 
Uh, by the way, you can find that at Free Canada Media, I believe, freecanadamedia.com. Uh, one of the pieces of footage I found was the um, the founder, uh, one, one of the founders, Tamara uh, Leash, uh, being interviewed before the trucks even rolled. So she, this was like on a little podcast way out in the west of Canada. And they didn't expect much. They just wanted to, you know, maybe a hundred trucks might show up in, in Ottawa. They didn't realize that that it was going to, the, the word would spread like wildfire and that people by the, at least the hundreds of thousands, uh, could be millions, uh, lined the highways of, high, uh, of of Canada cheering them in and that, and that tens and tens of thousands of people would show up. So that was beautiful. That was a beautiful, spontaneous outpouring. I haven't seen much about the Holland uh, farmers, the Dutch farmers, uh, I haven't been following it, but there's a, you've probably done some programming on it, but this is something we have to pay attention to. The government of Holland just, de- uh, the Netherlands just declared to a lot of its best farmers, hey, we're taking your land uh, and we're, uh, as, because we want to build a mega city there. Um, so all this amazingly productive farming that you do, uh, we're the biggest, we're one of the biggest food exporters in the world. The Netherlands is that little tiny country because they're so efficient. Well, that's going to be gone. We're, we're going to go into an urban kind. And, and you, by the way, you guys are using too much nitrogen and nitrogen is polluting the world. I mean, it's, it, it's crazy, but, but to bring it back to this, um, I don't know, we need to somehow have some leadership, you know, uh, that they can yeah. bring people out into the streets and let the pub, because that's what scares these guys. It scares the Chinese. They're terrified. The Chinese are terrified of their own. The Chinese leaders are terrified of their own population. Their entire government is organized to make sure that f- too many feathers don't get ruffled in China because they know those people fight and they're very calm and they're very polite and they take care of business. But when it's time to fight, they will fight. They fought the lockdowns, and uh, finally the government just had to throw in the towel on that. And I kind of want to talk about this because this is really important. The new narrative is China's got 10 million gazillion COVID cases, and now they're letting the Chinese visit us, and they're going to bring COVID to us. They're going to bring new variants, so we're going to have to lock down again. Okay, this is hysterical BS, uh, absolutely hysterical BS. And it's it's what's being used to try to reignite the, the terror. The other thing, and you guys probably have reported on this, I saw it when I was in, in England, uh, the, the, the community of Oxford, the, the people that run it at least, have decided in the interest of, I don't know what, they're going to divide the city into cells. Um, uh, and basically, if there's an, another emergency, and it could be a climate change emergency because they're now making climate change a health issue, um, uh, you will be locked down in your 15-mile uh, or 15-minute radius. So wherever you can get to in, within your 15-minute cell, you are allowed to go. If you want to go into another cell, you have to apply and, and possibly receive permission. Uh, and if you cross from one cell to another, like to go shopping or to see your mother or something, uh, or your kids, uh, you will be fined. Um, so they are setting that in place in Oxford, and I'm sure they're going to try to roll that out across the world. And by the way, yeah, lockdowns are what you in do different in different countries. They try to, they, yeah, exactly. They, they treat their own citizens like uh, criminals. Uh, well, this is like probation. Keep us from our freedom of movement. Yeah. This is like putting everybody House on arrest. permanent probation. You know, your probation uh, um, uh, conditions often say 
you can't leave the county, you can't leave the state, or you can't leave the country, whatever the conditions might have to say. So they're basically preemptively putting the entire population of Oxford, England in a permanent lifetime probation where they can just flip the switch and say, you cannot leave your, your, your bubble. And that's where people are going to beg for that passport, the vaccine passport, health passport, where people have finally have the privilege to move about as long as they uh, you know, are willing to that's, uh, comply. Yeah. That's why we got to go back. We got to go back to the flips. I know that I know it's wonderful to be able to watch TikTok films on your phone. We don't need it. <laughs> They're using it against us. If we need to communicate with each other, we can use a flip phone. If we need information, we can wait till we get to the internet. Remember, we used to have to go to the library for information. Okay, now we've got the, 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 the world's greatest library in our homes. We can wait till we get home to, to find out what we need to find out. We don't need instant information about everything all the time. It would be nice to have it, but obviously they're using it against us. So we have to undermine uh, what they're trying to do to us. Pretty hard to institute a QR code uh, rule on someone who doesn't even have a smartphone. So that's an interesting take. We're going to take a I mean, quick they, break. We'll come back. I want to ask you about what's going on in Brazil. Uh, we have some footage that we're going to show as soon as we get back. Inflation is out of control. The price of gasoline has doubled in a very short time and interest rates are set to rise. How do you protect and grow your portfolio to make sure that you do not outlive your assets? Invest in annuities that have rate lock. Rate lock is an innovative new feature that allows you to lock in your rate of return at any time during the year to lock in these volatile upswings of the market. And unlike CDs and money market accounts, they accumulate tax deferred and can participate in the upside of market indexes. And they're probate free and they can provide an income that you can't outlive. With all the different companies, features, indexes, and benefits which annuities offer, it can be confusing to choose which annuity is best for your unique situation. Let a company you can trust help you select a rate lock annuity that's right for you. Add an annuity to your retirement portfolio and start enjoying the many benefits that smart investors love. Call the Cleveland Insurance Group at 844-USA-2024. That's the Cleveland Insurance Group at 844-USA-2024. Cleveland Insurance Group, 844-USA-2024. We wanted to create a premium way for our viewers to be able to connect with the influence of our movement. So we came up with Amp Insider. Get content, information, and special behind-the-scenes coverage that you can't find anywhere else. Only with a subscription to Amp Insider. And coming January 12th, interact weekly with key leaders of the movement with Ask the Expert. Hey friends, Gene Ho here, and you gotta join me for Ask the Experts. I know you have some questions for me. Be with me live and we'll interact. For our initial launch of Ask the Expert, you can join the conversation for free. It's sneak peek week. Go to ampnews.us to register for Thursday's event. So join me on January 12th with me, Gene Ho, for Ask the Expert. Welcome to a new era of connecting patriots, Amp Insider. We're talking to Ken McCarthy about the COVID con. And Ken, you said that Americans are not so good at mass demonstrations. And I remember a million people showed up on January 6th in D.C. And there was a chilling effect after that because neighbors were snitching on each other if they happened to have been there that day. Uh, and in Brazil, they've had 70 plus days of straight protests, mass protests in all the major cities in Brazil. And they just had their own January 6th. It happened to be on January 8th. There are 
1,200 people being detained. Let's take a look at the images of the people being detained in a gymnasium, including elderly people and children deprived of food and water for an entire day, reportedly. Let's take a look at the second image. And now let's take a look at the video of the people detained there. Ken, we talked about the truckers and the farmers, the people with the heavy equipment that can block the roads and do some pretty interesting uh, things to get their voices to be heard. Uh, and they've done that in Brazil, but still they haven't gotten any of their demands met yet. Uh, what do you think? What do you think uh, could be coming next in Brazil, in the U.S.? Uh, what are some techniques uh, that you think would be effective? You're always thinking about it from a marketing perspective. Anything you want to share about what we need to do? Well, uh, I think education is still very, very important uh, for people to have facts at their fingertips that they can talk about with, with their neighbors and their family and their community. Um, you know, I, I'm sort of I'm focused right now on, on, the, on the COVID thing uh, because uh, it, we, it, it appears that, and there seems to be ample evidence to support it that COVID, the COVID con is being used as a cover for uh, a rapid uh, increase in medical murders uh, in, this, in this country and in other countries as well, where doctors and nurses are deciding that certain people really don't need to live any longer, so they're going to help them out. And of course, this, this, this venting system that they use, this, this intubation system and respirators and so on, is actually a great way to kill people. Uh, and they're also giving... Um, people drugs that are inappropriate at inappropriate doses and this seems to be happening a lot and it's not being talked about uh and it's it's a bad it's obviously a very bad thing so um if, if you don't mind me changing this topic a little bit because i'm not up specifically on what's going on in brazil you know so i don't i don't know what to, to exactly say other than everybody's entitled to come out and, and give their peace uh and 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 talk um but, um, you know, I, well, I need to, if I could just do a quick segue, to, this book is very important. And here's something bizarre. I have a nephew. I love him. He's smart. He's engaged. He's involved in the world. Um, and um, he, he's in, he was in medical school. He does not know what the Nuremberg Code is. This is a, a, a smart young fellow that was in a major American medical school that had never heard of the Nuremberg Code. So for people that don't know, the Nuremberg Code was written after World War II. It was written in reaction to the, the fact, the reality that doctors, nurses, public health officials, and the entire medical system of Germany was geared up towards killing vulnerable people, Jewish people, people of, of Slavic people, and handicapped people. In fact, the Holocaust began with the murder of handicapped people. All Gypsies, Jehovah's Witnesses, the political list goes dissidents. On political dissonance, but the actual, and this is something I've learned since you and I talked last year, the actual mechanics of, okay, we need a list. We need to know who lives where. We need to know who's disabled. We need to have buses to transport them to regional centers where they can be gassed. That was worked out originally in a program to murder handicapped people. And then they took all of that infrastructure and all that trial and error, and they scaled it up 
to kill many, many, many more people. This is a part of, of the Holocaust that is not being, the, uh, the Holocaust story that is not being told. And that's one of my yeah. missions this now. This reminds me of us talking about Canada and the euthanasia that they're doing there where someone has a handicap and they're, they're just offered, hey, would you like to kill yourself? You know, it's just bizarre that we're in the modern age at that level. Uh, the reason why I brought up Brazil, not necessarily because you would talk about uh, election integrity, which is the main reason people are protesting there, is, but when people wake up to the COVID con, they're going to have to figure out a way to hold the institutions accountable. And, uh, and the truckers in Canada seem to be onto something, right? And, and the farmers in the Netherlands. So I was just wondering, along with your marketing mind, uh, if you think there are specific tactics that, that we need to consider. Well, let me, let me talk about the American truckers uh, 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 action. And I gave them some advice. They didn't follow it, um, but I'm going to give it again. Uh, it's a little hard to protest in Washington, D.C. over a prolonged period of time, uh, just logistically. Uh, also, you know, they've got the FBI. They've got, you know, the DHS people. They've got, I mean, every every bureaucracy in, in Washington, D.C. is armed. Uh, they're not uh, shy about brutalizing people. Um, however, uh, we all live in different states and we all have state capitals and you could probably some many people could drive to their state capital be part of a protest and be home for dinner and then go back the next day so logistically it is much much easier uh and so that's what i would re really recommend is don't try to do this grand thing uh where we confront the the beast in its own lair um go to your state capitals which is what actually what the chd folks are doing right now today uh and let the the because a lot of these things they get admit the the they get administered on the local level. You know, the federal government, you know, waves its hands and commands, but it's actually the governors. Uh, well, we see DeSantis undoing all the federal insanity. So I would, if, so my primary recommendation would be action should be taken at the state capital level. And it's much easier to do. You're not going to confront some behemoth of, of law enforcement, of uh, corrupt law enforcement people. You might even find nice law enforcement people because they're your neighbors. Uh, that's, the other, that's the other problem. When you cross the country and go to somebody else's territory, uh, the cops don't have any allegiance to you at all. You know, so but maybe in your hometown, in your home capital, they'll treat you. They'll treat you better. The other place that I don't know why people aren't flooding to is Silicon Valley. Um, why aren't they ringing the headquarters? Well, they don't need to ring the headquarters of Twitter anymore. But why aren't they going straight to Google, straight to Facebook, and and legally, ethically, safely, morally, um, shut making life inconvenient? For those people, because they are clearly the linchpins. How many people do we have in California? 35 million. We can't get 35,000 to go to Silicon Valley. Um, that's That would be my tactical, physical demonstration uh, recommendation. Uh, yeah. Well, people should have the facts by now about how Silicon Valley is complicit in all of this with, with the Twitter files that have been released. Uh, yeah, you're right. It's not all about D.C. It's about these other power centers uh, but going back to the when people wake up and when there's a kind of accountability phase, that's where the Nuremberg Code style um, framework comes into play, right? Well, the, the Nuremberg trial, sort of like a Nuremberg trial, and a lot of people mention that we need a Nuremberg trial, a Nuremberg style trial, and I agree. Uh, but the, here's the thing: 
we only could have the Nuremberg uh, trials because we won the war, right? Um, we haven't won this war. We still have many, many senators, most of them really, on both sides of the aisle, many uh, House of Representatives people, many governors, all the news media are still on the other side, right? So we, we have not won the war. So I don't think we can have a full Nuremberg-style trial until we win. Now, the encouraging thing is uh, the Republicans uh, have won the House, so, and I love that clip that you showed uh, before we started. It's so encouraging uh, to see those kinds of words being spoken. And I hope the Republicans take advantage of their position. I hope they resist the temptation to be bought off. Um, I hope they resist the temptation to overextend, you know, and, and now, you know, now that they've got the moral ground, use it to advance you know, some of the scammy things that, frankly, they get involved in. But right now, they're in, they are, are a good hope uh, for at least some kind of hearings uh, and putting more people uh, in the spotlight and under oath. Because, boy, there's been a whole lot of lying, misrepresenting, uh, deliberate fraud. Somebody wrote a great article about the fact that, you know, the FTC uh, regulates statements about products. And they specifically uh, put in some special laws around covid well, it's now clear that all the people that were telling us the COVID injections were 99% effective and completely safe uh, were lying. And they knew they were lying because their own trial, scientific trial, shows that there were a lot of problems with these, uh, these injections and that they never tested for whether it, it prevented catching or spreading the disease. So that's a, a nice technicality, legal technicality, uh, to get them on. They committed a crime. Uh, they, they should be tried for it. Uh, and if found guilty, they should be punished for it. I would say to the full extent of the law, because this is not like a, a minor issue. This is not a one-time lawbreaker. This is a systematic um, undermining of society and injuring of, I mean, we can't even calculate the, the, the amount of financial damage and the amount of psychological damages, the lives upended. I mean, it's in, in the United States alone, it's in the tens and tens of millions. And by the way, somebody pointed out, so my brother actually, we were talking about this yesterday, you know, the economy is divided into five segments, the super rich, the super poor, people in the middle. There's the second uh, group that's above poverty. They're the working poor. They are a huge portion of our country. These are people that work two, three, four jobs, bust their ass, do everything they can, don't look for government handouts. This is the segment of the population that has been hurt the most by COVID. Uh, and it, it, we need to pay attention to the, to the reality of that a huge portion of our country are people in that situation. And I don't see anybody talking about it. It's like they're on their own. They can figure it out themselves. No, we should, we should really be standing up for them and pointing out that they bore the brunt. The people that were already on welfare, they just kept got, getting their checks. The people that are, are fortunate enough to have a business that wasn't rooted in, in, in physical infrastructure, um, some of them did fantastically. Uh, and then people that worked for the state and were, you know, public school teachers and all those people, they, uh, you know, journalists, cops, firemen, they didn't miss a, they, they didn't miss a, a paycheck. But that group of, of unless of they refuse the vax, <laughs> unless, and those were the great, the great, great heroes. And, and I'm sure you've had some of them uh, on, on your, your network, because we need to hear from those people regularly. We need to support those people regularly. Um, we can't just, you know, it's like 9-11. Everybody's, they were all heroes. Uh, until they started getting sick, and then nobody wanted to hear from them anymore. 
So national disgrace, that was a national disgrace. And I think it's, it would be a disgrace to all of us if we don't continuously remember all these firemen, all these policemen, all these nurses. Um, can't say that many doctors, but there were some doctors um, who stepped away from their, their incomes, their careers that they had, they're totally invested in uh, on, a ma- on this matter of principle. Well, we have to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to talk to you more about those medical murders and also other inflection points and important places that we can put our energy in this war, this information war, psychological war, as soon as we get back. Did you know that there is a community of human beings that live to be well over 100 years old? It's true. The Hunza people live to be anywhere between 120 to 140 years old. Their secret? Vitamin B17. At Richardson Nutrition Center, founder John Richardson and his family have made it their mission to add vitamin B17 back into the human diet. Vitamin B17 is found in over 1,200 foods in nature and has been gradually eliminated from the human diet throughout the past 100 years. Over the past 20 years, our products have helped customers with immune support, energy, heart health, and much more. At Richardson Nutrition Center, we have developed a product line to easily incorporate B17 back into your diet. Use your special American Media Periscope code AMP888 to receive 15% off your first order at rncstore.com. We're talking to Ken McCarthy about the COVID con. And Ken, you've already given us some great strategies as citizen patriots to get involved and try to stop the madness. Uh, Going to our state capitals, going to Silicon Valley. Uh, You mentioned winning the hearts and minds of our elected officials and stopping medical murders. Uh, Maybe you can elaborate a little bit more about what we can do to stop the medical murders. Great. Um, If you don't mind, I'm going to just divert for just one second. You know, the, the ad that ran just before was all about people taking care of their own health, taking proactive steps to take care of their own health. And that's a that's a big part of this puzzle. We all need to become more educated about all the positive things we can do to strengthen ourselves. We cannot be in this position that medical science and the medical system is our God and we have to genuflect to them. We have to take care of ourselves as best we can. If you break your leg, okay, you know, or there's some other things where the medical system can help you. But I think one of the reasons we, we've, the nation fell under the thrall, the modern world fell under the thrall of this thing is we've become so psychologically dependent on this medical complex. And when you, that, that, that ad showed people up in the, in, in the Hunza region, but I saw people similar to that in Morocco on the other side of the Atlas in the Draw Valley. Like they're totally healthy. They're walking miles every day. They're eating the locally grown food. If they get sick, they go, they know exactly what plants to get to, to make, to, to, to deal with the sickness. They don't go to the pharmacy uh, for something trivial. They don't take, uh, pharmaceutical products. So that's that's another element. But about this medical murder thing, there's a website that I want to recommend uh, called, oh goodness, let me, Our Amazing Grace, ouramazinggrace.net. And it's the story of one man and his daughter. Uh, like me, he's, a, he's, a, he's, he's an entrepreneur, independent business person. He has his own business. And he had, he had, had a daughter that had Down syndrome. Her name was Grace. And she was healthy and productive and happy and, and, and engaged with her community. She played the violin. She told jokes, you know, 
uh, but she had Down syndrome. So they, uh, unfortunately, he was fooled uh, by the, the COVID con and he was terrorized into bringing his daughter to the hospital to be treated for COVID. She didn't need to be treated for COVID. They had one of those um, things that allows you to test the oxygen level. It's a little thumb device you can buy in a drugstore. And you know, the word was, if it's less than 95, it means you're on the verge of death. Well, I had a cold a couple of weeks ago and I was down to 93. And I think I'm alive today. You know, it's, it's insane. But he didn't know. He trusted the authorities. He brought them in there, brought her in there. They took her uh, and they were going to take care of her. And they were plying her. They wanted to ply her with all kinds of drugs. He looked into some of the drugs and said, no, we don't want her to be given those drugs. And he was removed from the hospital by an armed guard. Okay. His daughter then went to watch, because you you really need to have, an, if you're in the hospital, you really need to have an advocate. In, under the best of circumstances. And if you have a loved one in there, you need to be in there chatting up the nurses, chatting up the doctor. You need to know what's going on and what they're doing. And you have the right and the obligation really to, for self-preservation to know and understand absolutely everything these guys want to do. So uh, the daughter was there. I'm staying with her. And unbeknownst to everybody, the hospital was giving her drugs that they were not reporting to the family. And these are the kinds of drugs that you use to prepare somebody to be vented. She did not need, in my estimation, my uh, layman's estimation of what I know about the story, she did not need to be vented. She did not have breathing problems. She did not have anything, you know, terribly wrong with her that would have uh, justified this extreme measure of putting somebody on a ventilator. And I think you and I have talked about this. Putting somebody on a vent is not a trivial thing. You've got to give them pain, massive painkillers, often fentanyl. You have to give them antiparalytics so they literally, they can't move their bodies. You have to knock them out. It's like being under um, anesthesia. It's a very serious thing. And you better have a really good respiratory um, uh, technician available around the clock to monitor the situation. Many of the people put on these vents did not have proper care and they died on the vents. Anyway, they kept increasing the drug, uh, the rate of drugs they were giving to this girl. They asked for permission to put her on a vent. Family said no. The The sister wanted to take a shower and the hospital said, you may not take a shower in this facility. So she went home and take a, took a shower. By the time she got home, her sister was dead. And this is going to be a court case. And it's the, um, the position of the family. Well, the, well, it's un- indisputable that they gave her drugs. They didn't have permission to give her. Uh, and it's the position of the family that she was killed. Now you, and in her, in the paperwork that they've got so far, they were constantly referring to her as the Down syndrome person. She had, she wasn't vaccinated. For some reason that she was a Christian ended up in her medical records, right? Many times they would refer to her as a Christian, a non-complier, you know, all this stuff. And, uh, and she, and she died. Uh, and by the way, the rate of death, for, from COVID by people with these kind of d- disabilities, sky high. And there's no sound medical or scientific reason why somebody with that kind of a developmental problem should be vulnerable to die from COVID. And they've, interestingly enough, they've been trying to cover their tracks. If you Google this, you'll see a million and one articles about how, well, if you have Down syndrome, you're probably more likely to die of COVID because you're probably living in a group home and that spread the COVID around. 
Okay, that's the usual garbage nonsense science that they have used to sell everything. But what's interesting is they're promoting that line. You can find, if you can find one, you can find 50 articles that take that line of trying to explain why somebody with a developmental uh, disorder that has nothing to do with the lungs died of a lung disease at a much higher rate. So that's medical murder. And I'm, what I would love to see, maybe, you know, where this is our start right here, is for people to understand the historical connection. The Holocaust began with the deliberate murder of disabled people by the Nazi government and by doctors and nurses, because it was the doctors and nurses that did the killing. Let us make no mistake about that. Okay, It wasn't guys that showed up in, in, uh, in armbands marching around. It was doctors and nurses that did the murdering. Okay, That's a historical fact. But, but did that's they, why we did have they do the it murder. premeditated? In, in, in Germany? In the case of in the, in the United States today, uh, do you think that they're thinking to themselves, I want to kill this person? Or are all the incentives in place that just incentivize them to, to do all the things that result in them killing, and then they feel like they just can wash their hands of it and it wasn't their fault? Well, that's, that's the way the medical system works. They, walk, they, they follow orders, whatever those orders are, and they wash their hands of everything. They're not responsible for anything. When I did the in-depth interview with uh, Aaron Marie, and Aaron for, Marie, forgive me, I can never remember your last name because I'm not good with Slavic names, but uh, Aaron Marie's a very famous person. And the, the, what she described in the, in the New York uh, City-run hospitals was utter chaos. You had... All these contract nurses, Erin Marie was experienced in intensive care. She said hardly any of the contract nurses that they bust into those hospitals at the time of the peak COVID had any experience in ICU at all. Some of them were just fresh out of school. They had a degree and nothing else. She also says the doctors were all uh, residents. The, the supervising doctors were often not even around. Uh, and there was a dire shortage of respiratory technicians. They were putting people on these respirators and they did not have enough people to monitor them and they were dying. Now, is that deliberate murder? Um, I think for the people that set up that system, I think for Andrew Cuomo that was screaming that we need more vents, we need more vents. I think uh, for uh, Anthony Fauci saying that venting was, you know, a solution to somebody coming into the hospital with a respiratory disease. And by the way, there were people that came in, this is according to Aaron Marie's testimony, and hopefully this will appear in court someday, that didn't have COVID at all. One guy in his 30s came in with a uh, uh, anxiety disorder. He had a panic attack. And he was having trouble breathing from a panic attack. They talked him into venting him. They put him on the vent and he died. So uh, now in Germany, it, I don't know how they did it in Germany, but what they did was they, the original murders were murders of infants, handicapped infants. And they told the families, uh, we have a special clinic, a special place where we're going to work with your child. Now, if you've got a severely handicapped child at home, that would sound like heaven. That some specialist who's who's going to care is going to take care of your child. So what they did um, was some of the children were killed by injections and some of the children were just flat out starved to, to death. OK, and this was all under the idea of eugenics, that we want to have, you know, the glorious Third Reich where everybody has perfect genetics and these, these, these handicapped people are dragging us down. And if we want you know, to go to our greater destiny, we have to get rid of all of, our, all of the weak members of our society. Um, I think what's happening now is, as you pointed out, these hospitals are getting paid. If it's a COVID case, they get paid. If the person's on a uh, respirator, they get paid 
big bucks. That's still in place, by the way. Uh, and I think you have so many doctors and nurses. Remdesivir. Well, well, the rem, yeah, they get paid for remdesivir. And um, that was known, you know, they, they originally in the COVID con, they were saying, oh, my God, people's livers are failing. Their kidneys are blowing up. They're they're going into the cytoclastic, sto- cytoclastic storm. Um, that's remdesivir. That causes that. Uh, respiratory disease doesn't attack your kidneys, doesn't attack your brain, but remdesivir does. That was a drug that was, just so everybody remembers, or maybe they never knew, that was invented to try to treat Ebola, right? And it failed. And so Fauci said, hey, maybe we can sell some of that uh, remdesivir that we spent so much money developing. Which, by the way, let's go back to to, to full, full, talk about medical murder, Um, uh, AZT. AZT was another, it was a cancer drug, a chemotherapy that was shown to be so deadly, it was banned for human use. And then somehow Fauci and friends came out and said, hey, you know, maybe that AZT might be helpful in in AIDS cases. They declared an emergency. They ran it through in the interest of the public good. And according to one historian, they killed at least 300,000 AIDS sufferers, mostly gay men, but also a lot of African-American women and babies. Which goes back to the eugenics. I mean, if you're looking to get rid of people, certain people, sectors, demographics of society, and a lot of seniors died uh, in this COVID con, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to ask about other inflection points that we can focus on as we try to fight back against this COVID con as soon as we get back. Hey friends, Dr. Michelle and I are not celebrity doctors. You probably won't see us interviewed by Oprah, but we see wonderful results in the lives of our patients every single day. We see results. While most medical practices are focused on managing your symptoms, we help you find the root cause and find healing with proven and natural solutions. Will you take 12 seconds and go to Sherwood.tv and join our free newsletter? We'll keep you up to date on new interviews and practical tips for hope and health. Visit Sherwood.tv and subscribe. Who do you trust? And should you? The small, untrustworthy group of people who own and control almost every industry hope you will not even entertain the questions let alone put in the time to explore the answers. These two volumes of The World Awakens are an encyclopedia of trusted sources who give their honest overview of our real history, the world today, and what lies ahead. Get The World Awakens, Volume 1 and 2, signed by author John Michael Chambers for only $50 each, or bundle the two and add Genocide Jab all three signed hardbacks for $120. Order today at ampnews.us. For unsigned and all other formats, visit Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Well, wrapping up our interview with Ken McCarthy about the COVID con, Ken, any final inflection points you think citizen patriots should be focusing on to fight back against this agenda? And where can they go to connect with you and, and your work? Well, um, uh, brasscheck.com uh, is a good one. 
I, I urge people to get this book. It's on Amazon. It's as cheap as dirt, you know, uh, and, and this will give you a sort of a, histor- a historical perspective on where humanity has been and the fact that there's nothing that prevents humanity from going back to this dark place. And let's, and let's remember many of the people that died in the hospitals during peak COVID died alone. Their loved ones were not allowed in the hospital. They were not allowed in to advocate. Uh, we, so nobody, you know, other than the medical records, we don't know all that happened. We just know a whole lot of people died supposedly of COVID. This is something that we need to pay attention to. And, you know, it's very dark. It's hard to look at, but we have to look at it for justice's sake, the justice of those who died and to protect the living because this is still going on. So um, be, become a scholar of, of natural health. Uh, for your own sake, learn how to research uh, things when doctors tell you things so that you do your own research. Your mind is as good as anybody else's. Uh, you are allowed to say no to any treatment. You don't have to, you don't have to go along if the doctor's petulant and upset about it. Tough. It's your body. You're the one that's going to have to pay the price if he gets it wrong. And they get it wrong a lot. We haven't even talked about the fact that, that doctor caused death by accident is one of the leading causes of death in America. So, Greater education is just, you know, this is a great outlet here. Uh, uh, I recommend, you know, learn, learn to protect. This, this is self-preservation at this point. Yeah. And it seems like uh, avoiding a hospital is sometimes the best uh, choice. And then when you do go into a hospital, uh, you have to know your rights. You have to know what you can do to make sure that people don't separate you from your loved ones. You can get the, your medical choices made and possibly you have to involve uh, legal process to make sure that that happens and power of attorney and who, who knows what else might be involved. Uh, so we can't just uh, walk, waltz into a hospital and just uh, trust the people in the white lab coats anymore. Thank you, Ken, so much for joining us today. Make sure you go to brasscheck.com and follow what he's doing and check out his books on Amazon as well. Thank you for watching AmericanMediaPeriscope.com. We are America's Patriot-only network. You can get my breaking news updates, SeanMorganReport.com. God bless all you patriots. Good night and good luck. wanted to create a premium way for our viewers to be able to connect with the influence of our movement. So we came up with Amp Insider. Get content, information, and special behind-the-scenes coverage that you can't find anywhere else. Only with a subscription to Amp Insider. And coming January 12th, interact weekly with key leaders of the movement with Ask the Expert. Hey friends, Gene Ho here, and you gotta join me for Ask the Experts. I know you have some questions for me. Be with me live and we'll interact. For our initial launch of Ask the Expert, you can join the conversation for free. It's sneak peek week. Go to ampnews.us to register for Thursday's event. So join me on January 12th with me, Gene Ho, for Ask the Expert. Welcome to a new era of connecting patriots, Amp Insider.